Hey everybody, Ty here. This week I got to connect with someone I've wanted to speak with a long time, Amobi Okugo. Now, you'll probably remember him from his stellar work in MLS and with the youth national teams, but you may not know that Amobi is also a businessman, a philanthropist, an investor, someone with very deep wisdom on all sorts of things uh, on and off the soccer field. And I was able to connect with him recently and have a really fun conversation. I personally super enjoyed it, got a lot out of it. It was a pleasure to meet him and talk to him. And I think you'll really enjoy it. So without further ado, my interview with Amobi Okugo. And by the way, we talk about Moby's foundation at the end of this episode. If you would like to support and check out the awesome work that they're doing, you can go to amobiokugo.com slash foundation, and we will put that link into the show notes as well. And it would be awesome to have our uh, WTP community get behind this amazing cause. On with the show. It's we the people. It's we the people. So I am beyond excited to speak with someone I've admired uh, for a long time, Moby Okugo. This is a man who is an entrepreneur, investor, a philanthropist, a commentator, and a fellow podcaster. And he is a 29-year-old with the wisdom of an old soul. He's been educated at Louisville, Northwestern, Harvard Business, Columbia Business, UCLA, and Arizona State, somehow. He is a proud Nigerian-American. And by the way, he is a professional soccer player. So this is a man who defies categorization, rejects the word impossible. So welcome to the show, Amobi Kugo. Wow, thank you so much. Yo, I'm, I'm blushing over here because that's like one of the best intros I've ever got. I'm like, yo, what's going on? <laughs> Please just, I'm just a regular guy. Thank you so much, though. I, I, I don't mean to lay it on thick, but you know, I, I have greatly uh, admired your your work uh, for many years. And I guess one of the first things I wanted to ask you is just like, what drives you to do all of this stuff? You've got so, so many things going on, businesses and organizations and all this work you're doing. So what, what keeps you going motivated? Not, uh, to be honest, I just always, you know, um, I always grew up like that, that quote, like, uh, jack of all trades, master of none. And I just always was like, uh, I don't think, I think you can, if you just optimize and be efficient with your time. Um, if you really have a purpose, uh, my purpose, obviously being first generation Nigerian American, seeing the way my parents sacrificed for me and my siblings, um, for us to achieve what we wanted to do. It's like, I can definitely, you know, maximize my time on this earth and use the resources that are give that have been given to me to you know do what I want to do with who I want to do it with and you know try to be the best at uh, what I'm doing so that's really it and then obviously to provide for my family and myself and you know impact others around me but um, that's really why you know um, and you know as you know you do a lot of things as well when you're passionate about something, it's, it doesn't feel like work. I mean, this is work, but it doesn't feel like you, you get, you have a reason for why you do it. So um, that's what it's all about. But thank you so much for having me on this podcast. I know we've been connected over the years on Twitter, but to finally meet. And then um, that intro, I'm like, I'm like blushing <laughs> like, a, like a girl on prom or something like that. Nah, thank you so much. So I want, you mentioned like maximizing your time. This is something I'm really passionate about. I'm a I'm an entrepreneur myself and someone with a, a fairly uh, wild schedule a lot of the time. So I have like my own strategies and methodologies around how I approach my calendar. Mm -hmm. So do you have any advice or, or things you've learned over the years about you know what's your strategy and your approach for like fitting everything in into the day? Yeah. So the big one that I, I, I need to hear yours too, because I'm always willing to, you know, take uh, advantage of new tricks and tips and insights. But the biggest one that I've learned right now uh, over the recent years as things have started to pick up is just time blocking. So, you know, putting like prioritizing certain tasks to certain times and certain days so that you don't get overwhelmed trying to do too much uh, at, at one time. So for example, um, Tuesdays is when I do podcasts for a football athlete. 
um, if I don't already have them ahead of time. You know, Thursdays is when we do the soccer podcast. So we're not switching it to Monday. We're not switching it to Friday. It's Thursdays. If it can't happen on Thursday, uh, so be it. We'll push it back a week to that next Thursday. So, um, and then within the days, it's like, all right, time. So obviously during the season, uh, we have practice from nine to uh, 12. Um, so anything during that time, focused. Obviously, soccer is the main thing. So you got to keep the main thing, the main thing. But after that, all right, three to seven, you know, when I was doing school, that was like when I was doing my homework, eight to nine. Okay, that's when I'm going to do this, you know, so just putting purpose to your time. um, I think it's uh, a big step for me in terms of being efficient. One thing we we talked to um, Bobby Warshaw on our show, and uh, I read his book, and he was describing how like, as a soccer player, he said, particularly in regard to going abroad, yeah. you have so much downtime because yeah. your body can only do so much, right? So like you said, you know, nine to 12, and then some days you're gonna have a game, so that, that's gonna take up more like logistical time. But that does leave a lot of time. Exactly. So I've always wondered like, why are there not more athletes who are like yourself, like Bobby, who like convert that time into something, like some sort of output? It seems like most, just want to you know watch watch netflix or whatever yeah it's just crazy and that that book bobby warshaw that book was amazing by the way Um, yeah he's a great writer um i don't know you know i don't want to call out you know fellow peers and fellow athletes (laughs) but you know some of them have families so you know you got to take care of your family when you you know um give give all you can when you're free because they sacrifice so much for you and you sacrifice so much of your time away from them. Um, but for like the young guys that, you know, in situations where you don't have like too much responsibilities outside of your career, uh, so it's a perfect time to pick up new skills, you know, not watching the latest Netflix. Obviously, if you want to make time for yourself, watch that, but don't spend 12 to 10 to watch Netflix and play video games um, and then do it all over again after practice. Like, there's so much thing, so many things you can do with your time. Um, so my, I guess I, I just, I don't want to downplay what they're doing. I just want to say there's ways to maximize their time and for them to take advantage of it. Like, right. like you alluded to. Right. Right. One other aspect is like, I've always wondered why, well, I don't know. You tell me like when you are in a game week, so you have an opponent, how much time do you spend studying the opponent or is that more that you rely on the coaching staff to like distill that information down and pass it that's a great question so i i would say it depends on the player because you got some uh, guys that are like soccer nerds or gym rats as they like to call it so right. they'll watch film they'll watch games they know which players been doing that uh, and that's without the coaches doing like the scouting reports and the film reviews on a week-to-week basis um then you got some guys that would just you know that we know that the coach is going to do it um we're going to just watch the film, see what they say. And then you got some guys that, you know, they just have a natural feel. They played against some of the guys. Um, they play games. They're veterans. So they don't really like, all right, we know how this team plays. We know how that team plays. I know that guy I've played against them for like the last three years. I don't need to do the film. And then you got guys that don't even like watching film. They don't, <laughs> they don't pay attention to the film because it's like, I don't want any of that to um, distract how I perform on the field. Cause if you're worried about this guy does this in film, this, this guy does this in film and in the game, they do something else. You're so prone to, so people just like, I'm going to play the game and fill it out from there. So I would say you just have to have a healthy balance. So, you know, I, I'm kind of like a soccer nerd in the sense of like, I have like, I'll have my phone watching the game, the iPad, the computer, and the <laughs> TV. Um, so I'm like watching all these deep games. I know the whole rosters and stuff like that, but when it comes to film, I'm not like the biggest fan. Um, but some of the guys in the league, whether it's MLS or USL, some of the guys I've been playing with or against since I was like 15. So you just naturally, you know, their tendencies. Right, right, right. So yeah, if you're going up against somebody who, you know, maybe, uh, some, I'm trying to think of like a big striker from from your MLS days, maybe like a Zlatan or someone who you might have come up against. Um, how much are you going to prepare for that specific assignment? Uh, that's a great question. I would say so. I'll give an example because I never, I mean, I played against Zlatan once, but it wasn't MLS. But I'll give an example. So like for a guy like Dom Dwyer or like yep. 
Quincy or Wando, guys that um, I know. Uh, I'm not going to watch film on them. Not to say that they're not good players or anything like that because they're good. Uh, but I just know their style and I've, I'm comfortable with it. But a guy like DeVaio, nah, like that whole week I'm preparing because this guy is the type of guy that's staying offside the whole game, especially when I'm playing center back. He stays offside the whole game, and then next thing you know, he makes a run. He's somehow onside. So I'm watching film on him, like trying to like read his runs, um, you know, trying to figure out his movements, different things like that. Whereas like Quincy or Dom or Wando, you know, Wando, he's sneaky. So you always just know, like always be aware of where he's at. He's not a guy that's going to be offsides and make the runs, but when he's in the box, just always make sure you got an eye on him. So I don't really need film for that. Dom, someone, he's always going to get a goal if you just don't, um, if you give him too much space in the box or if you give him too much time to get on his left. And he's one of those forwards that actually plays defense. So when you're on the ball, you can't just lally guy. Same with Quincy. He's always like tough. And I'm just using these guys' names because mm -hmm. they came up to top yeah. of mind. Uh, but like a guy like DeVaio, nah, that's like, he's someone I was watching film just making sure. Uh, Robbie Keane, even though like, you know, played him a couple times, yep, watching film because he's the type of guy that will like stand off sides, come back on side, go off sides, check for the ball, do a dummy, do the, yeah, nah, I gotta, I gotta watch film for that guy. But, yep. He's like yeah. a ma magician yeah, transporting yeah. himself from place to place. So one really interesting thing about center back as well is that you have a partner, right? So playing in a four back. So how do you manage that? It's, it's like one of the few positions on the field where you really have to be melded with someone else's mind to not miss these assignments, these, these different pieces of plan. Yeah, that's a, that's a great question. And I, it's, it's an important question too, because, you know, sometimes center backs get a lot of love individually, but you don't know, like it's a partnership at all times. So right, right. when one center back stands out, you have to appreciate the other center back because um, they're in unison. Um, so for me, you know, someone that didn't um, start out as a center back, but made his breakthrough as a center back, I'm very thankful for all the center back partners I've had, you know, when I first started, it, at least from a professional standpoint, you know, uh, Carlos Valdez, he didn't really speak English. So how are we communicating? Uh, we were kind of just doing it on the fly and filling each other out uh, versus when I played and, uh, you know, play with someone like Jeff Park, who was more of a leader, communicator, liked to make sure he didn't want to step too high. So we, you know, drop back. He was going for more of the 50-50 balls. I would drop back, you know, so understanding that dynamic and then, you know, someone who I've played with for a number of years now is uh, Jermaine Taylor, both in MLS and USL. So I don't even have to, like, talk to him. He already knows, like, when I step, he holds. When he co goes out, I cover. Um, so you have to build that relationship. And you've seen some of the better teams over the years, you know, whether it's MLS, USL, uh, higher leagues, uh, internationally. Um, that, that center back partnership can uh, make all the difference in the world. What are your like soccer um, viewing consumption habits? Are you, do do players do the same thing that you know us uh, us you know mortals do of the the Saturday morning marathon? You know, <laughs> kick back in the PJs, I get my get my coffee, got my kids crawling all over me, and I'm, I'm yeah. you know watching watching soccer for six hours. Uh, I well, I, I gotta admit, I haven't been as uh, when it comes to watching soccer like I like used to back in the day. It's not as crazy, um, but I would say in terms of players that I know, Diego Valeri, he's someone that's like a soccer nerd. Like on the flight, you know, everyone's sleeping. He's watching like a game from like ten years ago. I'm like, what are you doing? Until I started like peeping, peeping over your shoulder. I was like, what's your game you're watching? So, dude, you're not up on the Chilean second division? Come on. <laughs> get, get with it. Get with it. <laughs> and Diego is the type of guy that if you're sitting next to him, he's going to like, yo, watch this, watch this, and like break down a 45 minute like half is like the whole flight if it's like an hour and a half. Right. Because right. he's like stopping. He's like, yo, you see that? Like, yo, oh, this is amazing. So, Diego Valeri is someone that's like, if you had to rank someone like top five of like soccer watchers, nerds. Who do you think is like uh, underappreciated MLS player? Who you know MLS from, guy right from, now? Well, even USL, anybody who's playing over here in the States who's like 
who you know firsthand is like this this dude has a huge impact on games people don't give him credit oh damn this is good um obviously Farrell. he's not like the sexy pick but he gets the job done scotty caldwell uh just a facilitator um you know makes the right pass picks out his, his moments uh he's not gonna stuff the stat sheet in terms of like um all the things that you like from D mids, but when it when it, when you're in the game, you know like you, you never find a way to get close to him because he's always in a good position. And when you do get close to him, the ball's already off of his feet. So um, that's another guy. Uh, who else? Who, who's uh, New England playing now? They're playing. Uh, Columbus. I feel like I feel like all of New England. You could just lump <laughs> yeah, you can just go back and hold it. Columbus, uh, obviously Nagby. I still think Nagby's underrated. Uh, everyone talks fantastic. about him. But best touch. In yeah, he just American never loses the ball. ILO. Yeah. 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 So like whenever I have the opportunity to play with him, that's someone you just play under pressure and just um, it's like a blessing and a curse because, you know, like you could jam it to him and he's going right. to handle it and get out of pressure. But sometimes it's like you're just like watching what he's going to do instead of like making a movement for him. <laughs> uh, he's yeah, a guy. Exactly. Um, and then you got on the uh, Seattle. Uh, I mean, Shane O'Neill's doing really well this year, but I'm someone that's like over the past couple of years, obviously got the national team guys rolled in and Jordan there doing mm-hmm. well. And then uh, Minnesota. Oh, Minnesota. I mean, they've done they've done a good job. Uh, Kevin Molino, obviously, he's doing well. He's been able to bounce back from injuries. But uh, Chase Gasper, uh, I'm forgetting his name, the other the other young guy that came from uh, Oregon State. Uh forgetting as well nicholas uh sorry <laughs> yeah my bad because i it's, it's crazy because before he got drafted a coach that i know was like you know make sure uh you say hi to this kid because i was um, doing something with the rookie symposium he's like he's gonna he's gonna do well people are gonna be surprised by him and i was like okay and then next thing you know he had a breakout season so but around the league uh we can go on and on i like um underrated dc who's our i wish i i want to like this this is you got a good question here because i want to like go through <laughs> the teams and now well um, you, we, we can always come back if you think of somebody but one other thing like related to that is like how you know you have like uh FIFA for one or yeah. who scored or like these other platforms that like in some way try to quantify the level of quality of a soccer player yeah as a soccer player how do you feel about that, like, distillation of skills uh, and, like, this player's, you know, a silver, this player's a gold? Like, well, yeah. what, how does that affect you or, or what, what's your it's, opinion? I, my opinion is the, it's the best and worst thing that's happened to soccer because now, um, obviously, you need analytics, but I feel like certain um, – I don't want to say coaches in general, but coaches, data analysis, GMs will use it to their benefit. And then when it goes against them, they'll use it for their downfall. And then from a player perspective, it doesn't capture everything. You know, it, it doesn't capture everything. There's so many ways people impact the game that just the, the data can't quantify. And um, I feel like people will use it as an excuse um, when, it, when it doesn't suit them. So for example, um, the heart rate monitors. So you got, um, the, the bro. coaches, yeah, coaches love using the heart rate monitors to say someone's not working hard in practice when maybe they are working hard. You just got to watch them. But then, um, you know, say they aren't working hard, but their stats show they're like, you know, so there's so many ways you can skew that. And then from the game standpoint, um, I feel like coaches, when things are going well, it's like, yeah, we should have won based on our stats, this, this, and that. And then they win. The stats are horrible. It's like, oh yeah, well, forget about the stats. We won. So no, if you're going to use it for when it's bad, use it for when it's good too. Um, um, Live so that, by the XG, kind of die by the XG. Yeah. So yeah, I feel like you have to have a, it's, and it's hard to have a perfect balance of, you know, the eye test versus analytics, but don't use the eye test to sign this guy. And then the same, uh, another person, competitor, um, sort of the same quality, use analytics to say, oh no, uh, we don't want that guy. So I feel like people use it 
Um, and that's just like with anything in life, but use it only when it benefits them and not when it actually hinders. So speaking of uh, analytics, data, stats, you are, I believe, in process of an MBA or have so, you completed uh, yeah, the MBA? So I just finished, I, I, I finally got the degree slip for my master's in sports law, like master's wow. in legal studies, emphasis sports law. Um, I did a Reardon fellowship for my MBA. Um, it's almost like a pre-training program to Sweet. help yeah, help you, but I haven't completed my MBA. Okay. Still trying to decide if that's going to happen. We'll see. Okay. Okay. But you, you are, of course, uh, a, a intense business mind, someone who has uh, launched all these different ventures. So tell me about your business background. What has attracted you to this kind of lifestyle and particularly like, you know, I'm an entrepreneur, so I get it a little bit, but like, yeah. why entrepreneurship? Why not get a job with someone else? You know, be, yeah. make a uh, paycheck, you know? That's true. I mean, well, I got a job, but that's the story. So I you, that's well, true. You, you, know, <laughs> you got the day job covered. So it's, yeah, <laughs> yeah a so, side hustle, I guess. So use the, use the free time to, you know, have some freedom and, you know, explore different ideas. So with entrepreneurship or, as I like to say, entrepreneurship, because I still have the job, um, soccer, um, being able to express myself in different ways. Um, I really love business development, how people are able to ideate um, an idea, um, build it out, and then execute, and then monetize and scale it. I think that's amazing. Um, so for me, you know, whether it's a frugal athlete or, you know, foundation, even us from a uh, nonprofit standpoint, or even like different ventures from, you know, you know, podcasts and media channels and investing. Um, it's, it's, it's cool. It's, it's really, it's really um, piques my interest and it makes me curious. And I think with anything in life, you know, whether it's a job, you know, whether it's volunteering, whether it's investing, whether it's business, um, you got to consistently be intrigued. You got to consistently want to learn. You got to be passionate about it. And with that will come success. It may not happen the next day or the next year, but if you keep at it, as you know, being an entrepreneur, um, you're going to find your niche. You're going to become a subject matter expert and you're going to be able to compensate yourself uh, uh, at the end of the day. I mean, maybe not be a billionaire or a millionaire, but you're going to be able to compensate yourself. So I won't, but you so will. But we'll, we'll see. <laughs> I'm trying to we'll see. I'm trying, trying to get there. Trying, trying. All right. Nice. So I. Uh, a frugal athlete, you mentioned, this is just a fantastic platform uh, that I was exploring in, you know, preparing to talk to you. I'd, I'd known about the concept, but I was really digging in um, more, more deeply. And it's, it's fantastic. And for people who don't know, this is sort of tailored at the athlete experience and it's financial training, financial literacy content. But this is content that applies to anyone's life. And I was thinking about how like in the modern economy, right, people are getting away from this model where you would like go to college for four years, then you go to some big company and you work your way up the ranks and you get promoted, promoted, promoted and then you retire and you play golf. You know, it's like, that's yeah. over. People aren't doing that. Anymore. People now are going from job to job. Like the commitment between employer and employee is so much different. And there's the gig economy. So it's like many people now are facing some of the challenges that that athletes have faced like feast or famine income and a lack of structure and lack of regularity to their compensation so i thought like a lot of the materials on here are super general and i would encourage anybody to check them out who's interested in you know being better with their finances and, and with their life as a whole man thank you you two for two and in these intros for me man i appreciate it you know, i have to get you <laughs> you can take like, the ad that's an ad you can yeah you'd be like a mark that's a testimonial for me man thank you so much so uh, i love what you said because that's what, exactly what we're trying to do and then from the uh, financial literacy standpoint not only is it catered to athletes but like you said we're hopefully using athlete stories because as athletes we're natural trendsetters to teach um, these financial concepts to anyone and everyone that's willing and uh, able to learn. What is the number one financial piece of advice you would give to just a normal kid coming out of high school? Uh, I think that the number one is like, everyone like wants to, you know, 
make millions and make billions and you make all this money but if you can't simply build the you don't you don't build a pyramid from the top down you build it from the bottom up so you got to get the basics so um budget you know you have to know where you're spending your money and you have to know how much money you got coming in because you can maybe be making a lot of money but it doesn't matter if you're spending you know twice that much um so understanding your cash flow uh building out your budget and then from there, you know, building a strategy that works for you. So your investment strategy may be different from mine and there's no fault in that as long as you are comfortable with your strategy and I'm comfortable with mine and we're doing good things either way, um, it's really important. And yes, I should be able to take some principles from you and apply it to my own, learn, and you should take some from me and apply it to yourself, but it has to stick within our strategy and it has to stick within our mantra and it has to be, you know, positive. Uh, it, has to have, it has to have a positive effect. And what's your like personal financial approach in, so, in terms of, any, I, I would love for you to be as detailed as you're comfortable being because I, I, I'm a finance nerd and like, yeah. it's, it's actually like really exciting for me to hear like how other people handle this stuff. But, um, you know, do you have, uh, do you use a, it's called Mint or one of the other apps to track your spending. Uh, are you on like Robinhood, Betterment, those platforms doing for your investing? How do you manage your real estate? Like how frequently are you checking balances and keeping an eye on things? How do you apportion your income? Like all those like nitty gritty things. I'm so curious to hear what you're oh, Perfect. Is. So I'll try to keep it short. But so um, I have a Mint account. I'm probably as I head into 2021, I might switch uh, apps um, just to cater um my overall um overall portfolio better i i think um i think there may be a better app for that if mint is listening um if they want to talk to me let yeah them maybe know, but... uh, personal capital i've heard is good for like, exactly. like a bunch of different stuff going on. exactly so um that i heard that as well um and i heard uh ynab is as well so i'm trying to yes i'm a, I'm uh, a ynabber yeah, it's, it's a tryout season, you know, like just yeah, like soccer. Absolutely, get, absolutely. So, tryouts. Yeah. Yes. So from a standpoint of simple budgeting, um, doing that, and then I have like a, I'm still paper pen, so I'll like write it out and then um, at least have a month to month outline of what it looks like, then transfer it to Mint, make sure it matches. And then um, I'm actually going to start doing Excel as well, just like an Excel spreadsheet. Um, so that's like just basic income out uh income expenses cash flow understanding that then from an investment standpoint um, i do have a robin hood account um, that's more for like uh, speculation speculation um and then i have an actual like account where um you know more closer to my investment strategy a lot larger uh investment portfolio and that uh 401k um you know gotta maximize your retirement so got a 401k um, besides that, you know, some investments, but when it comes to like stocks and bonds and mutual funds, ETFs, I try to stick to stuff. I know, you know, blue chip stocks, dividend paying stocks, um, nothing out the ordinary stick to things that I have used or, or am using. So for example, um, I had no idea about Slack before 2020. Um, but because I needed to use it for, an internship I was doing, I applied it to a football athlete with our interns. And I was like, yo, this, this, this company, this stuff is cool. And then I was like, all right, let me see. I like, like on the public market. So I looked at it. It was a good price. I got in. Um, I, a lot I of money yesterday. Yeah. I didn't Before, put yeah. the house on it, but I put <laughs> some, some in it. And that was on my speculative stock because right, I didn't. Right. And then, um, yeah, they just got bought for 27 billion. Um, by Salesforce and I'm not going to break the bank from my stock investment, but made some, made some good gains and, um, you know, keep going. So when you have a stock that, or a company that you like and use, uh, it could be Starbucks. It could be, um, uh, you know, you go to gas, you go to Exxon, obviously, you know, people think oil's going away, but things that you use, things that, you know, things that you think other people use, that's probably a good philosophy. Uh, disclaimer, I'm not giving you any financial advice. So anyone listening, <laughs> yeah. 
<laughs> Sorry, I should have said that too. <laughs> no, it's good. So, so we don't get sued, but I'm just making yeah, sure. Yeah, nobody put us on the hook. Uh, uh, it's like, he told me to go get Slack. No, <laughs> no I, I did not say that. Um, and then, um, so from a, like outside of alternative investments, you know, I'll do some startups here and there, uh, angel, pre-seed, uh, funds, syndicates and stuff like that. If it's right, definitely got to check the deal flow. You got to have a deal flow process. You got to make sure that any money that you're willing to put in, you're either willing to lose it because that's the risk that comes with any investment or you're willing to wait, you know, seven years for it to, uh, uh, how can you say mature? Because that's usually the timetable for um, a startup to either get acquired, either start making like big, big revenue or IPO. So um, yeah, there's some investments I've done that it's like, uh, clocks like, uh, like <laughs> nah. You put the seven. Not, you not got, quite sure if it'll yeah, work you put or the, uh, yeah. Waiting. You put this, waiting. You're waiting. Yeah. You put there's some that I have hit. There's some that I've missed. Um, and there's some that you're waiting. So it's like, you know, you put it in. You got to wait seven years. So, um, so from that standpoint, investment and saving strategy. You know, save more than you earn. Um, you know, if you get a nice little paycheck, um, put away the percentage. Um. What are some other questions that you asked within that? Well, I'm wondering about also with your, um, with real estate. So, uh, what, so what kind yeah. of portfolio are you rocking nowadays and how do you manage properties given your itinerant <laughs> uh, travel um, schedule and all that? Yes. Yeah. So, uh, one lesson, it's not even like an investment. So I have a condo in Philly and before I got a property manager, I was trying to do it on my own. Granted, I was not playing in Philly at the time. So um when my tenant was like yeah um we need to fix like the closet door like oh you can't fix it yourself so i'd have to call my buddy my buddy would have to coordinate with them so no property manager they handle it i'm not even like i'm an absentee landlord because they don't even know i'm the owner um yep so i got a a property a couple properties um but when it comes to real estate um i'm still looking to learn more still think um when it comes to that, I'm not, that's not my expertise. Mm-hmm. Um, definitely looking to learn more. There's a lot of guys in the soccer space uh, domestically that are doing a great job, um, doing amazing things from the real estate standpoint. So being able to learn from them has been a blessing. Um, but from a stock standpoint, I invest in a couple of REITs, so real estate investment trust. Mm-hmm. So um, I'm an investor in real estate without being an investor in real estate. So that's right. That's, that's right. cool. Um, but yeah, so, so it's, uh, it's 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 like in life you diversify. You, you, oh yeah, you, yeah. You have a strongly diversified life and portfolio. <laughs> exactly. So <laughs> just like the, the life of a center midfielder, you know, you got to be able to go forward, you got to be able to go back, play box square, to box, but, baby. Yeah, exactly. So you got to cover your bases. <laughs> I love it. So tell me, you mentioned like people in you know uh, in soccer who are um, savvy about this stuff, and I was wondering like. I feel like in the last 10, 15 years, as there's been this shift to identify the mistakes of a lot of professional athletes, there have been these new training programs. Like I know at the very least in the, in the NFL, all the rookies go through a, a, a round of coursework. And I think similar things happen in, in MLS and other leagues as well. Do you feel like, you know, athletes are actually starting to develop this sense and there's there has been substantial change or are, is it still a scenario where most athletes are, are making bad decisions and ending up you know in difficult spots no I think athletes are learning more obviously with digital media we're all you know prevalent to hearing the stories um, and not only the successful stories but the negative ones as well or the unfortunate ones I should say rather um, from the Athlete standpoint, obviously the leagues are doing a greater job of, you know, providing the resources or opportunities for, you know, not only, you know, the financial sponsors to come in and help, but, you know, former players to come back and speak for, um, you know, individuals in the financial space to, you know, share their lessons. So with that, it comes athletes that are more curious and more willing and proactive about their own money management uh, philosophies and you know problems and stuff so I think we're only going to see it become better but you know it's so hard to tell a young athlete that's finally making money on their own to yeah. right away be like this is what you need to do I feel like with anything you got to have you know you got to 
let them touch the hot stove, but within reason. So let them make the mistakes, but nothing that's going to set them back for years to come. Because I feel like every athlete needs to go to that phase where, okay, they're feeling themselves a little bit. You know, they want to buy, you know, a couple, go out, nice dinners, you know, go out a little bit, you know, buy some luxury stuff. But then there's always that aha moment where it's like, you know what, all that stuff that I bought, I don't really need. Um, but you want to keep that moment within reason. So mm-hmm. instead of having it drawn out for however many years or however, or let them spend, but not spend tremendously. Um, right. And then, you know, so we just, I think it's changing the behavior around finance and understanding that all those things that you buy, um, all those strategies that you thought were cool, uh, you know, you want to, you want to, you want to live like a prince forever than a king for a few short years. So, um, yeah. very good. I love that analogy. And I, I remember hearing, um, I think it was uh, John Sally. He was talking about how, like, in the NBA, there used to be this tradition that uh, it's just a typical behavior that, like, after an away game, everybody goes out to eat, right? Yeah. So you'd have guys making millions (laughs) and then you have the rookie and it's like oh where are we going we're going to this great steakhouse we're going to this fancy club or whatever and so the percentage of money spent by the rookie is way higher than it is by the the millionaire so exactly is that playing is that a thing in mls locker rooms like when you've got your your david beckham's of the world or uh your, your dp level uh players who are making a ton of money does their that enter in at all or are people still in like a relatively normal kind of middle class vibe? No, that no, you hit the nail on the head that that definitely sets in because athletes are natural competitors you know not only on the field but off the field so you know if you like yo we all go on a dinner you're trying to go and it's like you're not trying to be like no I'm not trying to go because even though you don't want to go or it's not within your means because that's just the competitive pride ego factor that sets in and then you got the games that, you know, athletes play, you know, credit card roulette, um, you oh know, and God, like you said, about the gambling. Yeah. Oh. So, uh, you know, you go to dinner, you know, 10 guys, you know, after, after a nice away win or, you know, just a day in the week, um, a dinner for yourself might be a cool, you know, 25, 30, 50 bucks, but now it's with 10 guys. Um, and this is not even, I'm not even considering, you know, like if you're buying a couple drinks, if you're buying appetizers, if you're doing, you know, big, uh, big young men or, or ladies that, you know, eat, um, healthy or, you know, fine dining is going to be more expensive, but instead of paying for yourself or eating at home, you're now you're playing, um, paying for a whole group because you decided to play credit card roulette or because you decided to you know, go to dinner when you weren't even hungry, you just ate, you know, so um, that plays a role. But uh, I think the biggest lesson is as athletes understanding, like stay in your lane. It's okay. You're on your first contract or you're on a lower contract and your time will come. Just, you know, just count your cards right. And, you know, just be smart about it. Right. Right. And especially in MLS, I mean, you got, I, I think they raised the minimum in the last CBA to like 50K or something, 45K. But previously it was like 25, 28K for the season. So you're talking, I mean, I don't, I don't really know like how people make ends meet and make it work like that. And then you've got a guy sitting next to you who's making $5 million. How, how does that work? How can you be teammates? Yeah, yeah. Well, you have to be teammates because you got to, you know, the guy that's senior, senior minimum. Yeah, you got to take your chance and, you know, figure out a way to make ends meet. But I think from the soccer standpoint, I think because we are realistic of the situation that um, very few guys are making money in the sense of that they don't have to wor- worry about, you know, working or um, anything like right. that after they retire. So guys are coming into the mindset. It's like, you know, they're more cautious about their spending. They're more cautious about or more proactive about, you know, doing things to, you uh, set themselves up for the long term but still you know you still have you know athlete mindset of you know even though I'm on 50 now I'm gonna sign a new contract or even though I'm on you know six figures now I'm gonna make more even though I'm on you know seven figures now I'm gonna make more so you don't think of it like that but there's always a time there's ebbs and flows to just like your careers there's ebbs and flows to the money you make there's ebbs and flows to your life so um, it's important for athletes to understand that i think from that from the athlete's perspective for the guys that are making 
you know, minimum salary. You get per diem for the away games, anything, any meal that costs more than the per diem that they give you, you're spending too much. That's that should be the philosophy. So well, what's the per diem? Uh, to be honest, I'm not even sure right now because I haven't been uh, in MLS uh, for the past uh, year, two years. So I know it's changed with the new CBA, but I, the per diem is more than enough to cover your meals that aren't already provided for by the team. So Got obviously it. some guys, they don't really care about the per diem. That's like right. uh, chump change. Change, yeah. yeah. Uh, but some guys, that's like the difference between, you know, eating something at Chipotle or eating, you know, somewhere a little bit more fancy. So the per diem's more than enough to get a nice meal um, outside of what the team is providing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was going to ask you also, um, you know, connected to food, uh, what's your general attitude around diet and around maintaining your body? Obviously, you're a professional athlete, so it kind of sounds like a dumb question, but then I hear and see like soccer players talking about all the Nando's they're eating and stuff. And it's like, how, how many players are like super on, on their game about nutrition and how many are kind of like eating the normal, you know, American diet? Uh, I would say you got a good healthy mixture. You got, you know, got some guys that are doing plant-based, you got some guys doing vegan, you got some guys vegetarian, you got pescatarians, you got, um, guys that can eat whatever and their metabolism just is so crazy that it doesn't affect them. But with anything, it's athletes were machines where, you know, I, I hate to say it, but we're like a car, you don't want to put bad, bad gas in a car. It's not going to run well. So as athletes, we know, um, how our body works. Um, uh, we know, um, what we do, but it's okay to have like a cheat meal every now and then. So like for me, whenever I get back to Cali, first thing I do when I touch down, I got to get in and out. That's simple as that. Of course. Um, that's what yeah. everybody does. Exactly. But you know, for, <laughs> the, for the East coast guys, uh, they go get Nando's and it's not like they're having Nando's every day. And it's not like they're going to post like all the good meals that they're having, but they, they're, they much rather post like when they get they're, Nando's. They're quinoa. quinoa exactly. And, uh, yeah. <laughs> So, and they, they can, they can run it off. So that's the thing. It's like, we work out every day, sometimes twice a day, um, then games, um, you know, Saturday, after Saturday game, Sunday break, you know, so we might want to go get Chick-fil-A. We might want to go get in and out We might want to go get Nando's, but we got Monday through Friday to burn it off for the next game. But obviously everything in moderation, um, it's better to put good gas in your car and have a, have a strong diet. Uh, what's your uh, what's your stance on uh, alcohol as well my stance yeah. on alcohol you don't drink it unless you're 21 <laughs> that's, that's, <laughs> we'll start there just start, we'll start there. don't drink it's your drive. ucla era stance yeah. <laughs> yeah don't don't drink and drive um you know i think people like to have like a nice wine cap or a nightcap you know um i know a lot of wine connoisseurs um you know a lot of guys that like to have a nice like drink uh whiskey or something but like I said, everything in moderation, you know, after a nice win, it's cool to go out with the boys, but obviously remember you're, you're a role model, you're a public figure. So, you know, what you do, obviously this is post COVID or, you know, pre -COVID, right, right. Of course. Um, of course. Unless people breaking the rules, but I don't think anyone's doing that. Uh, you know, what you do in public, especially depending on, you know, where you're playing, people um, can take note of that. So, uh, I think everything in moderation, if you want to have a nice drink, do that. Uh, but don't go overboard. Because like I guess say, I, I say you I say your stance, but I'm 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 wondering also just about your personal approach. And I guess like the deeper question is like there's all these things in life that uh, you know civilians do regularly in access yeah. that in some ways athletes have to reject or be, you know additionally cautious of and to what degree do you adhere to that versus just you know life is short oh yeah that's a good question I mean yeah I mean we're not going to be you know it'd be cool to have like a beer every day or, or like I'm not really a beer guy I'm more like a cider um if I do drink um I think guys players do it but they don't it's not like excessive you know whether it's like maybe after a game they want to you know put their feet up and relax right. or even go out, you know, for a couple of drinks. Cool. Um, but don't just don't do it excessively, I guess, you know? And if it's excessive, then you start to notice. 
Yeah, it'll, it'll I mean, definitely yeah. affect your play on the field. Yeah, yeah. It'll affect yeah. you during the week. I know there's been situations um, in the past where, you know, players have been affected by it. So Of course, of course, um, yeah. Yeah, I, it's funny. Like, I notice in myself, you're you're about to turn uh, 30, so you, you get to discover all these fun things about uh, being over 30. <laughs> um, uh, but I, I, I'm 32. And as I got into my 30s, I was like, shit, I can't do, like, I, I, I can't have you know two beers and then like wake up in the morning and be good to go and and you know do my normal day and do all the yeah. work that i need to do say so that's really that's so that's crazy strange. you say that that's so crazy you say that because i was telling my mom i was like damn thanksgiving did you make like this food extra i was like because usually i'm having like four plates this <laughs> this this year i had like i had only two plates and i was like Oh my it's goodness. beginning, Amobi. I was like, beginning. oh, <laughs> let me make sure. And I made sure I worked out that that morning too. I was like, all right, let me let me buckle up because I need. <laughs> well, it just meant it just meant more, more leftovers, so it's all good. What do you, what's your philosophy on aging and getting older? Uh, you know, obviously you have. I think you're in a unique position because you've defined yourself equally, if not more so, with things you do outside of soccer than with soccer itself. So I think it's perhaps less of like a soul searching moment for you as it is for, for some athletes, but like, what's that experience like, you know, looking at you're in the, the, the end portion of your career, you're no longer thinking about, um, you know, that, that burst of trajectory that you have when you're a 17 year old, 18 year old. Yeah. It's a, it's a blessing to have made it this far. First and foremost, you know, not many guys uh, from a a personal standpoint can, uh, say they played, you know, more than, or, you know, more than a hundred plus games, all that stuff uh, over the course of how many years. Uh, but it just goes by so quick. Like I remember yesterday, like for rookie year preseason. And it's like, now you hear guys coming in, like asking questions of like, yo, how do you do this? It's like, wait, yeah wow you got you got you got your whole career it's like yo coach is not playing me like what should i do i have to toss my agent i'm like how old are you oh you good <laughs> like nah you fine don't even trip but you know as as athletes we're just naturally greedy we want everything now and um the, your career can change in one year one game you know one one goal one and so it just happens so quickly uh, just got to take every moment with, as like uh, as a blessing and just be grateful because um, it goes by quick, but there's so many blessings that come from it. You know, not only the relationships, um, the ability to embrace different cultures from a soccer standpoint, yeah. the fans. The, yeah, it's just it's just a blessing. So as I've been getting older, um, as the career winds down, it's cool. It's cool to see like the young guys, you know, try to take your spot, you know, or take your spot depending on the talent and keeping up with them. You know, I'm still, I'm still pretty fit, so it's good. Oh, yeah. But you're uh, you're 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 prime still. Yeah, yeah. So I'm good, but it's just like, damn. So this is how so and so felt when I was 18 and I was trying to like come after a spot. That's right. That's right. Right. Right, this is how so-and-so felt and i'm like oh wow so now i see how they're thinking from their point of view yeah uh, it gives you perspective That's yeah yeah saying. yeah i have an employee who is 10 years younger than me or 12 years mm-hmm. younger than me. like holy shit how did this happen like I, i'm so <laughs> used to being like the kid like yeah you know punching above his weight in the meetings and stuff and i'm like i'm not that anymore like i'm yeah. i'm a middle-aged suburban father <laughs> <laughs> life oh. comes at you fast life comes at you fast <laughs> boy um, so Amobi I'm just beyond grateful this is a fantastic conversation uh, and I uh, I'm really grateful for your time I wanted to give you a chance to to talk about uh, your foundation which we didn't really talk too much about uh, and kind of promote anything else that um, you might want people to check out uh, or you know uh, where, where they can follow you and so on and so forth no, I appreciate it. Yeah, so uh, the OKU Go Foundation, obviously a play on my last name. Uh, we try to provide uh, children from low-income backgrounds opportunities, you know, to not only better themselves, but the communities around them. So uh, through uh, education, uh, athletic, and social programming, uh, we offer um, ways for them to, you know, have a, a different perspective. So we'll do clinics, workshops, mentorship, um, and hopefully we can start providing scholarships as we continue to grow. 
Um, shout out to anyone that's done a charity or a nonprofit before. I had no idea how hard and the legal work around it. Um, yeah. So we're still in this infancy stages, but at the most, the most important part is that we try to, you know, impact uh, kids. So, you know, I just today earlier, I did like a hour mentorship session with the, with the school, the at-risk school based in Florida. Um, so if any athletes are listening to this, uh, want to tap in with what we're doing, uh, you make sure you reach out to me, uh, you know, giving back. One of my biggest mantras is that you learn more when you teach. So if we can provide, you know, opportunities for people that are coming after us in less fortunate situations, uh, that's what it's all about. So hopefully we can eventually, you know, provide some scholarships, maybe sponsors the field trip, you know, you know, sponsor a soccer uh, team classroom. But as of now, we're doing small donations, but a lot of uh, free impact stuff. So um, that's probably the biggest thing. And then obviously all the other stuff, check me out. Uh, www.amoviacugo.com, you know, frugal athlete, pass the remote, two cents FC. Uh, yeah, that's, that's, this goes on. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> that's it. That's, that's fantastic it. about your, your organization. Thank you for, for going into that. And you have a, a new supporter in me and uh, we'll be sure to try to spread the word and, and get our community to rally around that cause. Nah, really thank you worthy stuff that, that our fans would be really into. So thank nah, you. I appreciate it. And you know, thank you for what you do too, man, because uh, uh, 2021 is going to be a big year from the U.S. national team standpoint. Hell so, yeah. Hell so yeah, for, baby. <laughs> I know you're excited. I know you're excited, but for, yeah, keep, keep me out. I'm like, so I'm like, how do you guys find out these guys are American? I'm like, well, you guys got like, dude, uh, yeah. US at, Musa, the, at the U.S. embassy or what? Right. It's like, I don't know. There's got to be like a database, I guess. But yeah. like Eunice Musa's mom was on vacation in New York, and he's born in New York. It's like he's he was. So in that, oh, that's like how it happened. So here, it, that's that's what they said. Yeah. Like the way, like you guys, like it, it's it's inspiring to have a soccer community because, in all honesty, that's what's going to take. That's what it's going to take to grow the game out here. So it's not going to be. Um, the players not gonna be the owners obviously you know money in the sport is gonna help but it's the fans and the fan culture and the supporters groups that really drive home uh the growth 100 percent. we're glad to have you with us no thank you very much sir this is a pleasure always yeah we're gonna have to run it back it's we the people it's we the people